0: we <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. Today I want to come on and I want to have a quick chat about something that has come across the newswire recently. It's to do with financial fair play. Uh, it was recently reported in, in, um, uh, in lots of newspapers, lots of media, that there was going to be financial fair play changes coming. So what I wanted to do was take a look at what actually is in place now for financial fair play and the potential changes that are coming due to the relaxations the proposed relaxations of financial fair play so um without further ado what i'm going to do is i'm going to slink into the background and make financial fair play my big guest for today so what i wanted to do firstly was take a look at what is financial fair play? So the definition of financial fair play is: uh, this, it was established to prevent professional football clubs spending more than they earn in the pursuit of success, and in doing so, getting into financial problems which might threaten their long-term survival. So this was something that was brought that was brought to task by UEFA, and it was wrapped up in a little bow to with the idea of saving clubs. That's what it was. The smaller clubs would be saved from themselves from overspending in the pursuit of success and in doing so getting into financial problems. But was that what it was really about? I'm sure it was, and the best intentions uh, were within this plan. But there has been lots of rumors and murmurings that there may have been a bit of a lobbying group around financial fair play. And what do I mean by that? So it has been documented that a group of established clubs namely Manchester United, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich. They lobbied UEFA, and in particular, uh, the previous president, uh, Michel Platini, they, they um, lobbied him to come up with a way to stop new money coming into the game, upstarts, so to say, to which Mr. Platini agreed and uh, he came up with the plan of financial fair play that we see at the moment. And what that resulted in was the likes of Chelsea, Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester City. And I've thrown Aston Villa in there as well, because of the, at the time, 10 years ago when this was brought in, we were on the cusp of being able to spend money in the pursuit of European uh, glory or even getting into Europe. But what it did was it meant that we couldn't break open the piggy bank as we would have been able to do because of the new laws that were brought in for financial fair play. And it was essentially brought in around um, Chelsea's new money, where essentially, you know, over the last however many years Abramovich has been in charge, he's more or less written a blank cheque for over a billion in debt for that club, but he was able to afford it. Um, Paris Saint-Germain, obviously owned by rich Qatari backers, they are able to afford their debts. Manchester City, also able to afford their debts. Aston Villa at the time with Randy Lerner were able to afford our debts. Potentially, financial fair play saved us from ourselves in the long run, but I'm going to get into that in a moment. So what is financial fair play? And not all financial fair play regulations are created equally. So there are three different sets of financial fair play regulations that we have here within the UK system. The number one is the UEFA financial fair play play protocols. Number two is the Premier League Financial Fair Play Protocols. And number three is the EFL, uh, the Football League Structure Financial Fair Play Protocols. And I'm going to speak mostly about the UEFA protocols and the Premier League protocols and just touch ba- barely on the, the, the Championship and below protocols as well because they are a bit more complex and a bit more murky and they change league by league. And I, and they, they are a small, bit more complex and messier. I don't really want to go into the ins and outs of those as well. So, Essentially, let's start with the UEFA financial fair play protocols. To sum it all up in a little bow, UEFA fair play uh, rules state that they're done on a profit and loss targeting system, whereby you cannot lose more than 30 million over a rolling three-year period. I think we've all heard that before. It's uh, always done over a set of results that are are given to UEFA um, over a 30, or sorry, over a three-year period, where you cannot lose more than 30 million. Now, owners can prop up to the value of 25 million over those twenty over those three seasons, and they can actually go above and beyond that. So they can put in as much money as they want. And we've seen that that NASA and Wes Edens have put in lots of money into Aston Villa, but only the first 25 million will account towards financial fair play. Anything over the first 25 million doesn't account towards the financial fair play accounting system. So what is used for calculations? So from UEFA's uh, direct um, handbook on how financial fair play is is done, this is what I found. So any outgoings uh, which would consist of a club's transfer fees, employee benefits, which include wages, amortization of transfers, which is a complex system itself, uh, finance costs and dividends, they will all be counted against the club's outgoings and the incomings will be Uh, Things from gate receipts, TV revenue, advertising, merchandising, disposal of tangible fixed assets, uh, any finance that is provided to the club, sale of players and any prize money won throughout the years. So essentially, it's just a basis of any outgoings are put against any incomings within the club. And we have to stay within certain parameters. Now, are there any exceptions I hear you call from the back? And yes, there are exemptions to this. So any money spent on infrastructure, training facilities, or any youth development will not be included in the FFP calculations. Any money spent on growing the sport among women, including development of women's teams, also will not be included. And we can see that Aston Villa have spent a lot of money in these two areas. Talking about Aston Villa, last year, we had a pretty big investment in youth, bringing in youth players from around the continent brought in obviously as well a youth structure new head of youth development new youth coaches and so on any of that money spent on infrastructure does not count towards uefa's financial fair play protocols and that is good because that entices and incentivizes club, incentivizes clubs to develop their own players Make sure that you're making homegrown players. Hey, look, I'd love 11. Jack Grealish is on the team, and I think you would too. So that is very good part of the financial fair play, fair play protocols. Also, we've seen with Aston Villa being elevated uh, to the top league in um, – in the UK with regards to, to, to the women's team as well, that's very good. We've invested women in the team. We've brought in some big name players. We've, you know, there is investment there to try and keep our status there. All great stuff that FFP allows us to do, allows clubs to do to build a community, to build a better setting for a football club and not just have a predicated on one to 16, one to 20 in the male game or one to 16, one to 20 in the, in, in the senior males game, should I say. It brings a more rounded aspect to the club so there are some good points to FFP I think in the main and uh, that's as I say it does come from a good place uh, a lot of the FFP stuff that that we do see but what happens when you break the rules and I think that's what everybody wants to know so if you know what sanctions you may face if you break the rules you're going to try and find a way to cozy up to that line between breaking the rules and that a small bit easier so UEFA, and um, this is from UEFA as well, whereby they say that teams can be reprimanded, there can be a warning, there could be fines, point deductions, there can be withholding of revenue from a UEFA competition, there can be a prohibition uh, to register new players for UEFA competitions, restrictions on how many players uh, a club can register for UEFA competitions as well, uh, there can be a disqualification from a, quali- from a competition in progress and exclusion from future competitions. So pretty serious repercussions have are there to be laid down but have we ever seen teams fall foul of these, pro, of these uh, sanctions? And the answer is yes and no. So the biggest one for me would be AC Milan, who were banned from the Europa League due to overspending from, from the years 2016, to 2018. That's when their overspending happened, 2016, 2018. They were banned from competing in 2019 in the Europa League. Man City were originally hit with a two-year ban from European football and a 30 million euro fine, which on appeal was reduced to just a 10 million euro fine and they were reinstated into the competition again. Bit of uh, clamor around that as to why that happened. There was no real massive explanation as to why it was overturned and appealed, but it was overturned and appealed. And for me, it's a bit silly because they originally fell foul of, financial regulations and then the sanction was to charge them more money so i thought that ffp was to supposed to stop clubs from unnecessarily spending money look i don't know it's it's between UFM and Man city psg also had had investigations into their finances over breaches surrounding the purchases of neymar and mbappe but both the but the, the Court of Arbitration of Sport and UEFA investigators overturned this and stopped the investigation. It was overturned in appeal with CAS, and then it was uh, investigations were stopped also into this as well. Uh, another piece there, there's 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 not a lot of information on that. It was like UEFA just kind of laid down and kind of said, "Okay, we're not going to look into this anymore." Um, there wasn't any, real, any any more pieces that came out of that. I'll let you do your own research on it. For me, it, everything was dropped, and PSG were, in, were more or less in the clear. Also, we see here that Marseille were fined 3 million euros. They were limited to naming 23 players for European competitions for the next two seasons, and they have to forfeit 15% of any prize money earned for the next three seasons. That's a pretty hefty piece. Pretty hefty piece for a team like Marseille. They were warned previously with regards to their conduct. This was a second warning, and this is where the repercussion came down. Same thing with AC Milan. AC Milan were warned over previous spending as well. Second, It was a second strike, and then they were banned from Europa League. Some people say that AC Milan and Marseille were tra- treated differently to Man City and PSG. We just just don't know regards to what we know and what's on the table at the moment. It's all speculation and hearsay. But it's interesting to see that UEFA have actually dished out some sanctions um, in accordance with their protocol as well. So what do the Premier League protocols say? Which are a completely different set of protocols as well, by the way. So teams have to adhere to UEFA competition, uh, to UEFA protocols if they wish to be in UEFA competition. And also then they have Premier League protocols. So the Premier League protocols say that the Premier League has a number of financial rules in place, including requirements for clubs to pay transfer fees, salaries, and tax bills on time. They must also submit accounts annually and disclose payments made to agents. And you can read these regulations in full in the Premier League handbook, primarily Section E Club Finances. There are 376 pages in the handbook. Um, I flicked through it. Uh, It's actually not that bad. It's interesting enough if you're into that stuff. but. Let's take a quick look at the summary of Section E Club Finances, which range from page 117 to 126. This is a very brief breakdown and summary of what uh, what all of the different clauses of Section E says. And number one is that clubs must submit bank accounts and club accounting records to the league by March the 1st each year, along with HMRC's quarterly certification of tax compliance. Number two is the clubs must provide future financial info to cover the commencing final year by March the 31st to show evidence of funding. So you have to be able to provide your club accounting records for the previous year and also your future earnings, projected earnings um, as well to prove that you have a a solid financial footing, which makes sense as well. Um, But the big thing is that clubs can calculate losses up to one hundred and five million over a three year period. With the season 2019-2020 not included due to COVID, so when you think about this, FFP for UEFA means clubs can can calculate losses of up to 30 million over a three-year period. The Premier League says 105 million over a three-year period. That's a target that, in my view, it's not unassailable and it is attainable, but it was very difficult to hit. When you think about all the money that goes around in the Premier League, merchandising, fan fan information, and so on, or fan um um fan interaction and, and so on, it's quite a big 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 target. But it's there for a reason, and it gives a small bit of a footing for Premier League uh, teams as well. There's also something that I don't have here that was abolished in 2019. The Premier League did have a wage cap in 2019, and this wage cap was. It was called the STCC, which is the short term cross control, where basically you could only increase your wages by 7% a year. And then you could add any monies earned during the course of the year, any profits you had, you could also use that to to, to spend no wages. Now, no teams really adhered to it. Some teams did, like Crystal Palace, they adhered to this, but other teams didn't. And realistically, you can probably take your pick from any team in the top 10. It was just something that wasn't enforced. Um, so it was. It was just one of those th- th- those things. They decided to get rid of it. It was very difficult to enforce, and people weren't really um, looking at it and, <laughs> at it an awful lot. And, and and they just got rid of it in two thousand and nineteen. Um, so they didn't even do any. It wasn't any fanfare about getting rid of it or anything. But they did get rid of the of the um, the wage cap in the Premier League. To be honest with you, I didn't even know it was really there. Um, so there wasn't an awful lot made out of it uh, at the time. Moving on there, what sanctions happen if you break the financial fair play within the Premier League? So number one is the club spending would be curtailed to adhere to a preset budget while providing future accounts to prove financial viability. I think that's that's fairly straightforward and and self-explanatory, that if you are under financial difficulty, you will be set a budgeting plan and you will have to stick within that for a certain period of time to prove your financial viability. Um, the Premier League may refuse the club grounds to sign or register new players to comply with com- comply with financial restra- restraints, and there is a potential of points deduction as well should you not be able to adhere to the rules after any mitigating um, situations like the above are brought into play. So it's a pretty fair system, I think all in all with the Premier League whereby it... You know they give you a lot of chances. First of all, they give you a high bar to hit, and then they give you a couple of chances before they start knocking points off your uh, off your total. And those points can be future points or all, points that are already earned as well. So you might get a nine point deduction going into a new year if you're mid table and you're not in a, not in um, in in being threatened with with relegation or something, or if you are being trained with relegation or maybe getting into the into the top four, you might get a nine point deduction mid-season. I don't know how that's calculated, but it can be one or the other. So let's just take a little look at the the EFL financial fair play summary. So I'm not gonna go into too much detail with this, but this is the third and a final piece of the, the jigsaw with financial fair play. You can lose up to 39 million over three years, but this is only for the championship. So it doesn't equate to League One or League Two. And you can also have different rules if you've been relegated from the Premier League due to parachute payments, et cetera, et cetera. QPR have fallen victim of this before um, they settled for 42 million pounds in 2018 and they faced the transfer embargo in the january 2019 transfer window and this was in relation to spending during the promotion year in 2014 under tony fernandez they spent a lot of money there was irregularities they overspent and it came back to bite them in 2018 after all, investigations were done, and that was done by the EFL. That was done by the by the Football League, as opposed to the Premier League. But they overspent to get promoted to the Premier League. They had some difficulties in the Premier League. They came back down again, and uh, they were hit with this massive, massive fine. Birmingham had a nine point deduction as well because they were paying two hundred and two pounds for uh, they were paying two hundred and two pounds in wages for every one hundred pounds. Uh, that they that they recouped back in incomings. That is not the way I would like to run a club. But we all know that Birmingham had nine points deducted at that time. That's why they were almost spending double the amount in wages as they had incomings coming into the club, which to me is 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 mind blowing. But as I say, there's countless other pieces in there. You know, we all know that Bury Football Club went to the wall. There's some really strange rules there. I know that Bill Kenwright tried to give them a million pounds to help them stay afloat. The EFL knocked that in the head and said it wasn't going to be allowed because uh, Bill Kenwright was still a director with Everton. It would have been seen as a conflict of interest. So they let a club go to the wall as opposed to having somebody bail them out. And fair play to Bill Kenwright. You know, a lot of Everton fans might have might have talked about it, penny-pinching, but that was a real honourable thing to do to try and save a club. You know, some some owners, the financial fair play in the lower leagues, maybe it isn't looked at as, as best as it could. Um, some owners tend to kind of get sick of running the club and then they've clogged it off for a pound and they've got massive debts, as we saw with Bolton, who nearly went to the wall. We nearly went to the wall as well. We were a couple of hours away from it, and thankfully we've got some really good owners who have the, the deep pockets to be able to, to bring us out of the mire as well. So these reported changes to financial fair play. Um, so what we've heard so far is the Gazzetta dello Sport have been the ones that broke it yesterday. Uh, and it was broken in other places as well. And that basically Andrea Taverna, the director of financial operations within UEFA, um, has came out and said that we need to change the rules. The rules need to be changed, need to be relaxed due to COVID reasons, um, not having anybody in the stadiums and so on. The uh, UEFA president, Alexander Seferin, has has, uh, agreed with this. And he said, yeah, listen, let's look into it. Let's see what we can do. The hyperbolic statements that were coming out recently were, it's going to be abolished. It's just going to be free gratis for everybody. That isn't the case. Both people have said, UEFA have come out and they have said that the new regulations will be. There will be new regulations. They may not be as relaxed as previously. It may be over a longer period. It may be over a five-year period or so on. But some of the of the 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 nuggets that have come out from from Gazzetta dello Sport have been that the new regulations could also see an introduction of a salary cap to be uh, disguised as a luxury tax to ensure compliance with European regulations. Now, that's going to be a real interesting one. I'd say if anybody wants to get in on the ground floor, of that one, maybe look at how the NBA do their salary cap with regards to luxury taxes and stuff like that. It may hold some, uh, some merit towards that. For me, I don't know. I would really wait to see what the story is there as well. And also, going back to our AC Milan or Marseille or Manchester City or our Paris Saint-Germain sanctions, sanctions will likely come down on the sporting side of things so that they are sorry, they would be um, reduced. The sporting ones would be reduced, should I say, in favor of greater economic sanctions. So I mentioned that Manchester City had a fine, whereas AC Milan were banned from European competition. So what it looks like in future is that the banning of of European of, uh, being able to, to, to play in European competitions would be less and less, and it would be more economic sanctions. And that would be standardized a small bit more, which takes out you know, the conversations of, why did Team X get this sanction? Why did Team Y get this sanction? So what is this likely to mean for us? Well, for Aston Villa. Hopefully, should we see any of these relaxing, uh, any of the relaxing of these, we should see that our our owners who have shown great, great, great stability financially, great ability to be able to pump money into the team, we should be able to keep some of our great stars, such as Ollie Watkins, John McGinn of the Bicycle Fame, um, Jack Grealish, Emmy Martinez, and Tyrone Mings. And then what you would be hoping is that if we can keep those players, add to them, keep them happy, then hopefully we will see some trophies in, come with that as we would be in a good position to spend due to the fact that we have very viable owners and that would be something that I would be looking to uh, I will be keeping my fingers crossed when the financial fair play information does come out so hopefully this this video has given you a good insight of what financial fair play is at the moment what potential changes are going to happen that The fact that there isn't just one financial fair play set of rules that you need to adhere to, there's actually two or three if you're a relegation-threatened team. And uh, hopefully this has enlightened you some way on that plight. If you like this video, please give it a like on, on YouTube. Please subscribe also on YouTube. It will really, really help us. You know, you can find me on at Love Pod. You can find my co-host Paddy on at VillaPaddy. And uh, we will be back with some more audio pods as well. We'll also be doing some features like this on YouTube. If you guys really like what I've done here and you'd like me to, see, to do this on other topics, please, please, please let me know in the comments. I don't want to be too delighted to do some videos like this. But thanks so much to everybody for your support. I really, really appreciate everything you do for the podcast and for now this YouTube channel. And uh, you know, all that's left to say until the next time is up the villa. Podcast Network.